you know, it's great. I haven't been here for a while. This is my wife Adele. Um, I know most of you. And uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jason O'Sullivan. This is my wife Adele. And um, I've been um, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, a reader of his word, a student of his word for the last, say, 10 years. Christmas Eve 2010 is when I got saved. And I got radically saved, and God took me from a life of crime and drugs and addiction and uh, brokenness and uh, turned my world upside down and locked my world inside out. And um, so much so, uh, I love preaching, I love telling people about Jesus. And uh, you know, I was sitting there, um, I was sitting there this morning and I said to myself, it's nearly like, I have this thing in me that I'm nearly like, I want to go out to the streets and bad people and give them a shake and just tell them to, you know, accept Jesus as the Lord and Saviour because, uh, you know, um, the world rejects Jesus at their own peril. Um, and the greatest thing you could ever do in your life is ask Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour. That's where it all starts. And that's where it all starts for me. And you know, we love coming out to pray. I haven't been here in a while. It's been a few months at the road since we've been out to help pray. But you know, one of the last times I always um, try to start off with a light note, you know. And uh, I'm always going to dig in a box, so we're going to get in the room in this morning. <laughs> so, uh, one, a few months back, Rob says, we were having something on at the bottom, and I remember Rob saying, uh, I said, you're coming out. Yeah, myself and all the bright heads are going to come, we're going to wreck the place out and dog. But Rob, we're still late. <laughs> So there's no problem at all, you want to come out, come out, oh, you want all the bright heads to lay hands on you, yeah? <laughs> but, uh, no, I love being out here and Dad loves being out here. And uh, I love preaching the word. And if you've been following the Bible Project, we're reading the New Testament and the Psalms of the years ago, and uh, Psalms on the weekend, and the New Testament throughout the week. And uh, I love God's word, it's what kept me. And uh, it's what still teaching today. And it's great to know that we have somewhere that we can bring our thoughts to, our wants to, our questions to. We can bring them to God. And, you know, if we don't hear this voice whispering in our ear, we can open up this voice and we get answers to everything that's going on in life. And uh, this morning, I want to share from the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews, for, for those of you who don't know, you know, I've, 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 I've read up on this and I've talked about it, and to be honest, um, it doesn't really matter, but um, sometimes Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, and another theologian and scholar of stuff, reckon a lot of people wrote it, but um, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's God's Word, and that's all that matters really. But uh, there's all these debates of who wrote the book of Hebrews, and at the end of the day, it's God's Word, so. Um, that's what I've set in my heart that hands, you know. Um, I don't think we know who the, the writer is of the book of Hebrews, but um, I will refer to him as the writer as we go through this. And you know, if you've ever second-guessed yourself on a major decision and wondered, have I made a big mistake? That's the way the Jewish believers felt after they stepped out of Judaism into Christianity. The writer of Hebrews exhorts them to become mature in understanding, as in chapter 6, verse 1 of Hebrews tells us. The writer's appeal is based on the supremacy of Christ over the Judaic system. 
every way Christ is shown to be better as God. And at the same time, is fully human and is able to identify with our human struggles. And I love that about Jesus. I love that about God. I love that about He's God Almighty, but yet He can relate to our daily struggles. He can relate to what we're going through. Even right now, you know, some people in this realm are struggling, but God can relate to that. The Bible tells us that. You know, He knows exactly where you're at and He knows exactly what you need. And, you know, He's a good Father, the Bible says, and He desires to open and He wants you to come to Him. But I, I just love that about God, that He's not this far off God that we have no contact with and that we can't recognize with or anything like that. We have a God that's intimate. We have a God that the Bible says wants to live within us. We become the tabernacle of God. You know, we ask Him into our hearts and He comes in. You know, the scripture says in Revelation 7, you know, He's a gentleman. But I'm telling you, if you open the door of your heart, He'll come in. And He'll change your life and He'll walk with you. I'm not saying that everything is going to be hunky-dory and it's all going to be rosy, but I'm telling you that no matter what you're going through, you'll have to create your heaven and earth to come through with you. Isn't that an amazing thing? Yeah. Isn't that an amazing thing? And I realised that when I went to prison, um, I got saved in 2010, but I had some charges um, hanging over me from previous of being saved. Oh, I'm going to be totally honest with you, you know, after I finished it, I went into a prison treatment program, I finished the program, and uh, went back to court, the court and the judge says they look after me, if I've done anything I had to do, I did, I went above and beyond, and I was still locked up, but anyway, I forget the judge, yeah, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I went back to Mount Joy, I was back up there, in a prison cell, on B3, the worst landing in the prison, all my mates are there, and uh, you know, some of them are doing big sentences, and some of them are doing life, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but I'm telling you, when I went back to prison this time, I wasn't on my own. Even when I was in a cell, boxed up in a cell, in a prison cell in Mount Joy, I didn't feel alone. That I knew God was me. I knew the day I gave my life to Jesus that I was home. I knew that I would never be on my own again. And there was times, and I'm going to be honest, I had amazing times in that prison cell with Jesus in Mount Joy because it was just me and him and it was just his word and I trolled through his word and I got this great stuff from his word I actually used to get words for people and I'd go down to the prison office and I'd say Jesse, phone call and I'd be sending messages out and be sending words out to people that I got for in the prison I felt like the Apostle Paul was sneaking letters out of the jail but um, when you go to Jesus to your Lord Saviour he comes into your life and he walks with you yeah? Amen. Christ is better than the angels. How do we know this? Because they worship him. He's better than Moses. How do we know this? Because he created him. He's better than the priesthood of Aaron. But his sacrifice was once and for all. He is better than the law. But he has brought about and mediates a better covenant. In short, there is more to be gained in Christ than to be lost in Judaism. This is what the Hebrew word was trying to get across to the Jews. He was nearly saying to them, like, come on, come on, come into Christ. Be in Christ. Accept Christ as your Lord and Savior because whatever you gain in Christ is going to outweigh what you're going to lose in Judaism. He was trying to get this across to them. For those who don't know what Judaism is, it's a religion. It's a total way of life for the Jewish people, comprising of theology, law, and innumerable 
cultural traditions, rules and regulations. So today I want to camp around uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 1 to 8. Mal has it up on the screen. And come with me and let me try and expound what the chapter really means. And before I go into that chapter, maybe I'll go back to the beginning and give a quick um, synopsis on where it all started and my sacrifice had come about. So back, back in, the, in Genesis, at the beginning of the Bible, at the beginning of this world, I'll make it really quick. God says to Adam and Eve, He says, there's a tree there, tree of good and evil. Don't touch and tree of good and evil. Yeah? It says that Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden with God in the cool of the day. Imagine that, just walking through the Garden of Eden with God in the cool of the day. They knew no sin, they were perfect, they were absolutely perfect in God's eyes. And of course, like what we all do, we're being honest. When God tells us not to do something, we do it. You know? That sinful nature creeps up on us. And um, anyway, Eve took from the tree, ate the apple, and gave it to Adam. He took it. And he ate as well. And therefore, they actually knew then what sin was. How do I know that? They knew what sin was. But because when God came back into the garden, he came looking for them. And he was calling, where are you Adam? Where are you? But Adam and Eve were here and the Bible says that they covered themselves for three days. So that tells me that they knew what sin was, they knew what shame was, they knew what guilt was. There and then, that's where they entered in and they started to cover themselves. And today, you know, we do that. We cover our sins too. We cover with drink and drugs and sex and pornography and uh, clothes and Whatever the case may be, everybody has a way of covering their sin or hiding from their sin. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, everybody. And no one is exempt. But you see, God has made a way. And this is what Hebrew chapter 10 talks about. God has made a way. God has made a way. And there had to be a sacrifice brought before God. In the Old Testament, it was held to the bulls and lambs and sheep and goats and everything on those every mouth slaughtered before God. There had to be blood spilled in order for to appease God for one of a better word for that year for the sins of the people. But you see, the blood of the bulls and the goats and everything else it only covered the sin. It didn't wash it away, it didn't cleanse it, it didn't purify it, it didn't make it whole, it just covered the sin for that year. And day in, day out, the high priest had to go before God and he was slaughtering bulls and animals and stuff like that. Going on and on and on and on and on. And Hebrews chapter 10, let's see if you have a read it. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year in and year out. But you were never able to avoid perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshippers would have been purified once and for all. And the feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, 
those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year in and year out. For it is, an, it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, amen, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You are not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings of sin, for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings of sin. You were not pleased with them, though they were required by law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all time, under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never, ever take away sin. For our, listen to this word, for our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that that is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them, I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Yeah. Isn't that amazing stuff? Yeah. Like, that is absolutely amazing stuff. And when I, you know, when I was studying, and I was, I was putting this together yesterday, and, you know, that song that Robert the Priest sang uh, forever. I put that song on yesterday and I believe I always say this. That song is the gospel wrapped up in a nutshell. You read the words of that song. And I remember listening to that song yesterday and I was just crying into the world because I realised what Jesus had done. It's absolutely amazing what he's done. So the chapter 10 starts off with the saying, The old system of covenant was a pale shadow or dim preview of the good things to come. The writer says that the Old Testament and the sacrifices at best can only provide a distant and occasional contact with God. He uses two words to indicate what it means. This is good stuff for us. Listen to this. He says that kings are a pale shadow. The word he uses is skia, the Greek word for shadow. And it means a vague reflection, a mere silhouette, a form without reality. He's saying that they, they do not give a real image. That's what a pale shadow means. That it does not give a real image. It's a vague reflection. It's a mere silhouette. The second word he uses is akon. And I don't mean the singer akon. I mean the Greek word akon which means a complete representation, 
a detailed reproduction. It actually means, this is this good, it actually means a portrait and would mean a photograph if there had been such a thing in those days. In effect, he is saying, without Christ, you cannot get beyond the shadows of God. Without Christ, you cannot get beyond the shadows of God. So chapter 10 starts with saying the old system of covenant was a pale shadow or a dim preview of the good things to come. And that was amazing. That just blew my mind. And yesterday, I was thinking about it and I was like, wow, what are the good things to come? What is the Hebrew word talking about? What are the good things to come? And as I said that myself and I thought about it yesterday, a whole barrage of stuff came to me. And I think, this is what I think, and I propose to you, this is what some of the stuff uh, he's talking about. I believe it's some of the good things to come is secure salvation, intimacy with Jesus, healing, freedom, peace, joy, inheritance, etc., etc., isn't that great stuff? Yeah. The good things to come. Then verse 2 talks about the sacrifices made before God that would never be able to cleanse or atone for sin. If it had been sufficient, they would have stopped. And here's some other words for the word atone. It says, redeem, outweigh, compensate, make up for, cancellate, cancel out, or balance out. The word atone. Because we had to have our sin atoned for. Had to have. Otherwise we couldn't be right with God. It was impossible. That's why in the Old Testament, this is where the, the book of Hebrews was written. It was impossible to atone for sin with the blood of bulls and calves and goats. Impossible. There had to be a one time offering to not only cover sin, but to cleanse sin and purify it. The Bible actually says, because of the blood of Jesus, we're made white in the snow. White in the snow. So when God looks at me, He doesn't look at what I've done for Him, or He doesn't look at what I've done to make myself right. He looks at what Jesus has done to make me right. He looks through the blood of Jesus, He looks through the cross, through the blood of Jesus, and looks at Jay, and says, Jay is absolutely sparkling, fluffy white. Isn't that amazing? And that's the same for all you. If that's you, if, if, if you've given your life to Jesus, He no longer sees you as a sinful person. He sees you as absolutely perfect. Perfect. And He has to see you as perfect. And I got this revelation on my foot. This is amazing. Do you know how I know He has to see me as perfect? Because He placed me in Christ. How else could He see me? If you were placed in Christ, it was a genius idea what God done, placing us in Christ. And Christ in us. Because we are one then. So how can he separate the two? If Christ is in me, how can he separate the two? He can only see me as perfect. Because he sees his son as perfect. And because of what his son done for me and you, he sees us. Amazing stuff. Atonement. First three goes on to tell us that the religious sacrifices actually remind us of our sin. And it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sin. 
It was amazing. And sometimes I'm reminded, and if I'm being honest, there's times where I'm driving around and I might see a certain person when I'm on travels in Dublin or wherever the case may be, and I might come into a certain area or I might see a certain thing and it will remind me of me saying, what I've done wrong. And if I haven't repented of it, I do it there and then. And I ask God for forgiveness. But there and then I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm forgiven. Because if you don't accept what Jesus has done on the cross, you're going backwards. And I am reminded, not daily, not weekly, not monthly, but from time to time, I'm reminded of stuff I've done. And that's alright. I'm alright with that because I know there's forgiveness there. I know that my sin can be washed away. Why? Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Yeah? Yeah. Amen. Hebrews 10, 11 to 12. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never, never take away sin. But listen to this. For our holy priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sin, good for all time, then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Our holy priest. My high priest, Rob's high priest, Adele's, Terry's, your high priest. Think about that for a minute. There had to be a sacrifice once and for all. And God sent his son, Father says. And he was our high priest. And instead of the Old Testament priest standing before God offering sin, the actual high priest himself offered himself, which was Jesus put himself on the cross and he wasn't dragged to the cross there are people saying in church and stuff Jesus was dragged to the cross for my sin he wasn't dragged to the cross for your sin he went because he wanted to set you free that's the biggest load of rubbish he went to the cross or he was dragged to the cross he wasn't dragged to the cross for the joy that was set before him the Bible says he went to the cross what was his joy? it was me you. That's exactly what it was. He wasn't dragged to the cross as Philip's portraying and other churches and theologians and stuff like that. That's a load of rubbish. He went. He offered himself as a sacrifice for your sin and my sin. And that's why Hebrews was trying to get across to the Jewish people. And still to this day, it's happening. Turn in. Like, the blood of Jesus is active 24-7. That sacrifice is once and for all. Once and for all. It is our holy priest. Yeah, it, it does deserve a clock. It is our holy priest. His blood. He could only sit down at the right hand of the Father when his blood was spilled. After the one time sacrifice was made, God's wrath was then sorted and satisfied. It was finished. It was finished. There was no more. No more trying and trying and trying to cover sin, to cover sin, the paper sin, the paper sin. Jesus paid for it all. Jesus paid for all. Listen to what Leviticus says, Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the body is in the blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for life. That makes purification possible. 
Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing scripture? Given in exchange for life that makes purification possible. It's only when you get this can you live from a place of security, freedom and forgiveness. Church, I'm telling you, if you don't grasp this or you haven't grasped this, ask God to give you a revelation of it. Because if you can't, if you can't wrap your head, it's not even a thing of wrapping your heart around it or your head around it. It's getting revelation of it. It's getting revelation of what actually Jesus done on the cross. I have friends of mine and they cannot, they cannot, but you know, I understand it. I understand because Jesus, didn't Jesus say in the scriptures that uh, it wasn't flesh and blood that revealed this day, it was my Father in heaven. So that's what needs to be done. You know, your Father in heaven needs to reveal this stuff to you. He needs to reveal the, the cross, he needs to reveal. Patrice said it earlier on, she got a revelation of the cross when, this, when she started to sing that song. When you get a revelation of the cross, it's nearly like you just dropped your knees because you understand what Jesus is going to do. I'm right before God now. I'm right. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Amen. Nothing. And it's the same for you. And if you live out of that place, you live more confidently, you live more freer. That's where healing happens, freedom happens, security. Otherwise, you'll be back onto the law every time you sin. And trust me, you're going to sin. And that's where you're going to end up. If you don't grasp, Get revelation of what I'm saying. There's a story I said to Adele, we were only talking about this the other day. When I got saved, I needed to get this revelation um, when I got saved because I'm telling you, I done some things wrong. Right? I, I was a bad person. Right? And I still can be bad, but I'm talking about bad, bad. Right? And Paul talks about he was bothered about it. I was one of them. I was a person that done horrible things in my life. And all my life, I was trying to cover that. I was nearly like them people in the Old Testament, trying to cover my sin with bulls and goats and blood and blah, blah, blah. I used to cover it with drugs and heroin and crack and drink and robbing and criminals and selling drugs and blah, blah. Cover it all the time, cover it all the time. And I ended up coming to a bed where I realized that it was so simple, don't ask me how I knew. But I needed forgiveness. And it wasn't for man, man would do it, but I needed forgiveness from God. For what it but see when I got it, it was unbelievable. I'm telling you, money can't buy this stuff. Books can't give it to you, man can't give it to you. It's revelation of God. And when I got that, it was unbelievable. It turned my life inside out. So much so. I remember I was about a year or two said, I mean, two years said I said, I was only out prison. Actually stay out of prison, I got married to death. The day I get out, my, my release date from prison was the 24th of November, right? And uh, it was the day of my birthday, best birthday I ever had. It was the day of my birthday and it was my release date from prison. And uh, we got married on that day also. So there's a tree fault in there at the time the 24th of November comes around. And Adele always lets me know that the best thing that I ever got was Adele on my birthday, yeah? Um, but saying that, I said that to say this. We were only married, we were in Kildare uh, in the house, and about, about two years saved, a few and a half years saved. And Adele, Adele was, I don't know what was wrong with Adele. 
The law of Moses says we've disowned him. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stopped, sorry, Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Some say he was going to the sins of the men that were standing around. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Have you ever heard that saying? Then he stooped down and wrote again in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. You see, there, were two, there, was, there was a conflict of two covenants on there. There was the old covenant and the new covenant. The woman was dragged out from under Mosaic law. These men, these Pharisees, these people, scribes, whoever they were, they dragged her out. They wanted to stone her to death. And under Mosaic law, they were entitled to do it. That's what I mean about being under the law. They were entitled to stone this woman to death because she was caught in the dungeon. But Jesus comes on the scene full of grace and truth. The Bible says that the law came through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus comes on the scene and they, they were always trying to trap Jesus. They were always trying to, you know, get him into a trap and ask him questions so they could trip himself up. But Jesus was so wise and I loved the way Jesus used to talk. He used to turn around and ask the say so. And he turned around and said to him, no, you're right, but he without sin chose to stone. You see, every one of them had sinned. Yet they thought he didn't. The Pharisees thought they had it all together. They wore the lovely clothes. They had the lovely houses. They sat in the best seats in the church. It was all religious stuff. But yet Jesus said in another scripture that the outside of the cup was beautiful and clean, but the inside was filthy dirty. And he was afraid of them. But Jesus comes to this woman who on the mosaic laws down to them. And he says to her, He stooped down. You see, Jesus has compassion on everybody. He stooped down and he said to the woman, Go and sin no more. He forgave her of her sin, but yet he educated her at the same time. Jesus was very good at what he'd done. And that was the, that was the, the contrast of the two problems. One was love and one was grace. And the reason. The reason why the, he, that the writer of Hebrews brings out chapter 10 is to tell us that not when in Christ we're no longer under the law anymore. It's been done. I'm finishing on this. If you haven't got revelation of what Jesus done on the cross, ask the Lord to give you a revelation of what he's done. Maybe you have given your heart to Jesus and you haven't got revelation of the cross. Ask him for it. Ask him for revelation of the cross. It'll turn your world upside down. It'll set you free. It'll stop you from striving and wanting to please God all the time, although that is good. Because the Bible says without faith you can't please God. But, 
You're not striving for to do something to be accepted. The once and for all sacrifice of Jesus brought about a way that you could walk straight into the arms of the Father. Look at the prodigal son. He was in a big story. Called out to God. He was waiting on him. That the Father was waiting on him. And he came home. Guys, it was the greatest sacrifice that was ever made in this world. And ever will be. In the whole of history. And I feel like to share this with you. Don't reject the gospel of Jesus. Don't reject the sacrifice that he has made for you. Don't. Four or five weeks ago, there was a friend of mine sitting on my table having a party. I was sharing the gospel with him. Next morning, he was shot eight times. Don't reject the gospel. Because the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you, you'll never, ever, ever know what he's done for you. He hung on the cross to set you free. He wasn't dragged to the cross. He went because he loves you. He loves each and every one of us. The sacrifice that he made means that it's done. You're right with God. You don't have to keep getting down on your knees, which is right, or begging God for forgiveness. You're forgiven. You don't have to do this, 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 and this to be a good person. If you're in Christ, you're good. You need to live from that place of being good. Because Christ is good. And yet we all fail. And yet we all sin. And yet we all mess it up. But when we go before God with a sincere heart and ask Him for forgiveness, we're forgiven. We're forgiven. I remember when I was finishing on this. I remember when I was a kid, I used to have to go to confession. And let me tell you that was many times. I used to be battered to go out of confession. I was always up to something. And Elvis and Dawson, the confession box was always full. And as a matter of fact, they put in two more confession boxes in the church. There used to be two of them, and in the end, they go for it, right? Because we'd be in school whenever we were there, and we were brought over to the confession box across the road from the school we were here. Then Jesus would grab you. Get out of the name of the Father, Lord, and get out of the Get your sins forgiven. And remember, this is what I mean by when we ask God for forgiveness. For I remember going in, I'd be sitting there outside the uh, confession box and the priest would be inside and he'd pull the phone back, get in here, I'll pull him and say, get in. So I'd get in and say, yeah, what are you acting doing this point? So he'd be behind, he'd be afraid, you're right. If there was a fellow outside with a gun, he wouldn't be afraid. And see the priest, whatever it was about him, there was this order, there was this, there was this, there was this create, thing created around the priest that was. It was the only car that we never robbed was the priest because we thought that we'd go to hell if we didn't rob his car. You know, like, it was mad. <laughs> so uh, the priest's car and the nun's car were the only ones we didn't rob. And uh, cause we, we were told that we'd go to hell if we robbed him. So anyway, I was sitting in the confession box. And this is what I mean with this. Is that he used to say, what did you do wrong now? So he used to tell me sins. He said, know what he used to do. I even used to lie to him, I tell him that I don't more than what I done. Just to make sure I was overly forgiven. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I, if, I robbed, if I robbed this, that, and the other, I tell him I was on the robbing that, 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 and that. Just to make sure that I was definitely going to be forgiven. That I was not to tell him that I was not to do more, I was not to say more than I actually sinned. And I'd come out of there and say to myself, Oh, I'm definitely forgiven, I'm not to tell him more sins than I even ever done. And that's what I mean with the gospel. 
The gospel is, is that you go before God, you ask God for forgiveness, and you're forgiven. When you understand you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Because there was a price paid for your sin. It's not 15 Hail Marys, 20 Hail Father, and get on your knees for half an hour every day. It's the price that was given. And it was Jesus on the cross. And it was his blood that was spilled. Amen. Can I pray? Father, I thank you, Lord God. Lord, I just thank you for this church, Lord God. I thank you for these people out here. I just love coming out here, Lord God. And Lord, I just thank you that you've made a way. You've made a way so that when we ask you into our lives, that we are saved. We're saved from hell. We're saved from ourselves. We're forgiven. And you know what? The person that I struggle most to forgive was myself. Some people here today and they need to forgive themselves. And I just release grace to do that. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that our sins are forgiven, we're cleansed, we're made righteous by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, I just pray for each and every person here today, Lord God. I pray for revelation of your sacrifice of the cross, the accomplished work of the cross, the finished work of the cross. And Lord, I just commit each and every person to them in the name of Jesus. And I bless them and I send them out of this place with a new spring in their step, a new joy in their spirit, and a new song in their heart, knowing that Jesus has made a way. Amen. Amen.